Welcome to Slate Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us. We pray that wherever you're watching this from, that this message will bless you. If this message impacts you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. So how you doing? There's some uh, empowerment in that microphone. Finally, a sound engineer that understood what it's about. I love that. Hey, you doing good? You look, you look good. We're going to have a great night. I put on my lucky cap tonight. It's got the Canadian leaf on it. This was, this was in my goodie bag, so this is for, to honor all your great, great, uh, I was at the hospitality team here. We love those. So, um, and, and I feel more Canadian with that one, but, um, but hey, I, I love you very much. This is, this is going to be like the dad talk of today, and maybe, you know, you'll, you'll have some more on Tuesday, but I'm going to be real with you, and then we're going to go for another level on, on the 6 o'clock, but there's going to be a little teaching here, but then we're going to go for like full on, full flame, lift the roof up, everything's going to happen. So, you good with that? So give your friend a, a big high five and say, is ready for the word? And then you can be seated. Okay. Thank you. I hope you're, uh, uh, you have the gift of interpretation. And uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? I see that, you know. You understand my Swedish perfectly. <laughs> well, so many dad jokes this morning. <laughs> Brendan, you're getting there. I mean, we're not only pastor's jokes. They were just like dad jokes. You've got to become the ultimate dad joke guy, you know, like <laughs> when your kids look at your dad, you suck now. You know, it's like, but they love you. They will love you. Like Victoria here, my daughter, uh, she will always be my daughter, of course, and I, I respect her and I love her as the leader she's become and the pastor she is. And uh, yeah, give it up for her. And um, it's the same with the other guys here. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, spiritual sons and daughters. But, but most of all, I see what, what God is doing through them and in them. And in this context, the way you're at, you know, you know, church life and what we do in church, it's not like, you know, we don't, we're not looking for the one superstar. This is about us doing church together and doing life together. But God is also going to use us in different ways to just propel the kingdom. And, and when you see people develop over the years, it's, it's something that makes me very happy. And I, I feel very fulfilled with that. And I saw in Victoria, and I was grow, growing up as a young girl, you know, like, you know, she was 13 when she started her first connect group. And, and we were having connect groups in our home, you know, all of us. You know, I had mine, my wife had, had hers, and my kids have theirs. So that, that was four connect groups. But then we had an upline group, too. So me and my wife, we have like two every week, and it was like everything was crazy. People coming and going, thousands of people, you know, visiting over a year. And it's like, it was sick, you know. We would, then we just drained out on connect groups for a while, but then we got going again. Because you got to be in connect groups. You can't build church, and you can't be church like without small group setting. So... I love, the, I, I love the, the great, you know, the great service, you know, we, you know, we, 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 we worship together as, as a mighty force. 
but but you know seeing each other having conversations you know you know inviting people you know into small group setting it's it's phenomenal and it's something that that uh, I wish all of us were involved in so and we can do that in bad ways but we can also do it in great ways you know so if there's a connect group that is very boring kill it and start another one that is very is fun and because uh, you know there's nothing less you know I would say spiritually um, I wouldn't use that word no another word that is uh, attractive than than a than a boring connect group so either change it or kill it okay so it's got to be fun. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be like church. You ain't, we, we're not here just to endure church. We're, going, we're here to enjoy church. Okay? Because, you know, you know, it's like with Jesus. You know, the, the scripture. I'm, I'm off track already. I didn't study. It, it didn't happen, you know. I didn't last three minutes. You know, the scripture says that, that Jesus had more joy than his brothers. More joy. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is righteousness, is joy, and it's peace. The righteousness, and he is our righteousness. It's all about Jesus, joy, and he had more joy. You imagine everybody that wanted to hang out with Jesus during the time he was walking on earth. If he was the most boring person. But sometimes I think we've reflected Jesus in a very unbiblical way when Christians became the most boring people on earth and church became the most boring place with boring people on earth. But we're changing that now. And uh, there's always been revival. It's always been things going on in Christian history over the centuries where people have tried to change that. And I, I, I'm, I'm not talking just about, you know, uh, some kind of... Um, superficial Christianity that is just like, you know, we're going to perform here and you, you come just to enjoy and then just get out of here. I'm talking about real Christianity. I'm talking about authentic Christianity where we, where we love each other but, we, but where we reflect his love for us in a way where we serve other people. So, so I'm not talking about some kind of Christianity or spirituality that is like kind of uh, low on content. I'm talking about something that has content, has something that is, you know, uh, powerful that can change and radically transform our society that is nowadays when we live very very nervous I mean it's a very easily offended society if I share some of my hobbies for you somebody could say oh I don't like that you know because you're easily offended but you got to get over yourself and realize that God got over a lot of stuff to come here to save you and change you and so instead of being so self-centered thinking, you know, that the whole universe, you know, orbit around your opinions. When God really don't give a about your opinions. Uh, because he gave everything for you. So you got to get on his program. And what scripture says is that you got to die to yourself to serve him. And uh, you can listen to the podcast on this morning's teaching, which was excellent. And I'm going to steal everything and going to use it as mine because we're in the ministry of recycling. <laughs> hey, I got a topic for to, to this, this afternoon. Is this okay? I'm just, I'm just trying to be me. I've tried to be so many, so many other people. 
You know, I've, you know, growing up in church and, and entering into leadership, you know, I had so many people, they wanted me to be the, like that person and let, like that speaker and like that when I tried to be, I, I, I suck at being T.D. Jakes. And I'm really a bad Joel Osteen, you know, but I'm, there's one person I'm very comfortable being and that is being me. So if you come here trying to be somebody else, relax now. Relax. As Frankie goes to Hollywood for all of us that were brought up in the 80s. And Hallelujah. <laughs> come on. My topic is one more chance. One more chance. Thank you, Slate, for your generosity. I love you. I love you. This is, this is like coming home. This is the same culture, same vibe, same, I'm, and, and I draw from what you're doing. And uh, we're celebrating 20 years as a church, Life Center Church, next spring. So, uh, and we planned it out. You know, we planned it out in several cities in Sweden. We planned it out in Bangkok, planned it out, you know, everywhere. And I, I, I even, you know, feel sometimes that this is a, at least I got a quarter in it, you know, but. Uh, and thank you everybody here and, and the team here. I, 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 I truly believe that there is, I mean, the start you've had is amazing. But don't be, I mean, be, be, be happy and be proud of that. But don't, don't let it sit there and, and, and stay there. This is just the beginning. Elmira this morning was, was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was, it's just, I mean, what we are about to see, you know, taking place in Canada in the next couple of decades here, it's going to be crazy good. And you're a part of that. So, so um, I mean, if you don't, if you think, you know, that everybody else has got on track, you know, and you're like, you know, a laggard and you're like a late adopter and so on. I mean, it, it's still early days. You haven't seen nothing yet. This, this is for your kids. This is for your grandkids. This is, how many has, I mean, do you have kids? Anybody? You? This is for your grandkids. And I mean, you don't have kids yet. I mean, you don't have kids. And then you're going to have grandkids. What we're doing now, what we, are, what we are building a platform and a foundation for today is for your kids. It's for the generations. I am 53 years old. I'm born 1965. When we planned a Life Center Church, we had a dream to, to start, and start and plant a church that our kids enjoyed. I grew up in church and sometimes when I went to church, I felt like you know, I had to become like 40 years older to fit in. And then I went out to my car, put on my music, you know, I put on my Rush, you know, cassette tape, you know, and I enjoy that. Canadian. I like Brian Adams too. I like, you know, maybe one or two songs of Celine, you know, but okay. But, but Rush, that was my kind of cup of tea, you know. And, and, but, but always felt like, you know, how about just lowering the thresholds of, of context and of, of culture without losing the power of the gospel, without losing sound doctrine and theology, but let's just build a church where people can enjoy church music if they don't understand the message they could at least you know tap their feet and, and clap their hands and enjoy the music so you know it's like you it's like we say you know bad sound kills good music but I also say bad culture kills a good message so the way we express ourselves as a church has a lot to do with how people will 
experience the gospel. So that's why you should have great musicians and good singers and so on. And, and it's not, in, there's nothing that is more spiritual having like a five-string guitar that is out of tune. But you say, oh, it's only about, you know, my heart. No, it's not. <laughs> no, you suck. You know, and, and, and you got to learn how to string that guitar, you know, and, and tune it. Because otherwise people will think, no, if you don't give more attention to that, serving the most, the, the most high, how much is he worth? How do you value him? So, so when we do what we do, we do that out of reverence. That's why I want it to be good. And especially, you know, when we did church the, the, the other way, you know, a lot, you know, most guys, they didn't want to go to church. It was packed out with women. But, but, but the guys came in and they just felt like, why can't somebody fix that? Fix that light there and fix that sound there. And they just freaked out because we love technology. We love things going to work, you know. And, and that's our, it's part of a lot of the manly language. But, but, but um, when it didn't work out, you know, we, we found other places to, to, to hang out, you know. So, so let's, let's bring everybody in, all the generations, all the genders, you know, all two genders. Or, and then we can have a debate on the rest. But... But, but we're here to serve the community with the gospel. And that is the transformational power of society today. Come on. Probably, the, the, I mean, there might be a little sweeping here for the pastors after my sermon today. But I, I told you I'm going to speak like a dad today. So I, I'm not going to fake it. But, but, uh, but uh, I, 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 whatever I say today, I want to say out of love. Because I love you. And I think God loves me. And it's placed something on my heart that will help you. Let's, let's transform this world by creating an environment uh, that is a reflection of who he is. And you know, this thing about the kingdom, about, about the church, you know, it is the only thing Jesus said he will build. So when we are doing all the other stuff that is actually not really connected with what he is building uh, what would happen if we changed that and we got involved with what Jesus is involved in building his church you want to do great things for God well get on board then get in on what Jesus is in on building his church because that is what he said he would build so when we're talking about this one more chance uh, I really want to to speak something about our personal dreams because you know there's sometimes you know something you know in our hearts that is you know we, we want to pursue our dreams but if it if, if we turn that into some kind of own, our own theology we're missing out it's actually not about your dream it's about you serving the man with a plan so and today we're too often feeding on our own dreams you know, when I grew up, I might, I might belong to another generation. And maybe that generation is a bit more connected to the guys who were born in, you know, in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Uh, and then things changed. You know, you know the, we talked about the millennial generation, you know, having a bit of a problem with committing to things. Because, you know, it's like, you know, dating. You don't really start dating or inviting or just, you know, having a cup of coffee with somebody because there might be another one coming, showing up next week, you know. So you don't really want to commit and frankly that is the same attitude we have towards church and 
and, and, and there's something about being faithful, but also something about, hey, plant yourself, you know, in the house of the Lord and you will prosper. Psalm 92, it says you're going to grow, but there's a place where you can go, grow. Just like the same thing we, when, we, when we're talking about tithing earlier here today. It's like, you know, people have a problem with tithing, but we don't really understand that the, the tithing, that's the starting point. That's like, I, I don't want to say the word minimum, but it's like, that's like where we start. And then somebody, somebody says, oh, I want to go give it 20th. No, that's not, ten, that's not more. That's half of a tenth. That's 5%. So if you want to up it, you know, start on tithing. But start with tithing. Then see what God can do through you when you test. And, and, and when you try out what God is speaking in his word, he will bless you. I have too many needs not tithing. I have too many financial dreams that I want to pursue not tithing because it's spiritual economy. economy. So and, and in the spiritual econo economy um, tithing is a key and that's where we start off. So um, take the class now what you're, what you're signing up for. So um, you know I was 15 years old when I made a commitment to serve Jesus. I was in a youth camp and God called me. It was in a, uh, an old church on the west coast of Sweden, one of the islands. Some of the leaders were speaking. I know actually, I remember his name, but I don't remember too much of anything else besides the fact that there was one guy who was playing the guitar outside his tent and all the girls were there. <laughs> so I decided that, I decided that autumn to start playing the guitar and I started playing the guitar, guitar, and my father bought me a guitar. So, that day I decided to follow Christ was a significant moment in my life. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you when I say that when I go back, looking at my life, and sometimes debating with myself with how, where my life has been going and what I've been doing, I always go back to that single moment. I was 14, almost turning, I, mean, I was almost 15, just a month before I turned 15. And I made a complete commitment. I am going to serve you. And I instantly knew it was about the church. Nobody just, nobody told me, nobody said it. I knew it was about the church. Helping God on his mission. And his mission became my mission. It was not that I presented God, you know, this is my mission, God, where can you use me? It was more like, God, what is your mission? And I invested into that. And, and, and that has taken me places. That fall, I, my family moved to another city. And in my parallel class, there was a girl. She was very beautiful. And six months later, I started dating her in the spring, you know, in ninth grade, you know. And six years later, she became my wife. And everybody thought we were super young, and we were, but we thought we were very mature. Because we've been dating for five, six years, you know. And then, then life has, you know, kept, kept on developing. You know, kids came a couple of years later, and we moved to a couple of different cities. And then we ended up in the city where we're at now, where I served the, the you could say, the, the classic uh, Pentecostal church for seven, eight years. And then we were kind of leaving town because of a lot of, you know, rev revival hit town. And we couldn't really cope with it. And God spoke a word again for the second time. 
plant a church. So that day I resigned. I went to an, a board meeting and I resigned. And uh, the crazy thing was that that afternoon I told my wife that tonight I'm going to resign because of one thing. I was in a short prayer meeting and God spoke audibly how I was supposed to, to plant a church. And me and my wife are going to do that. And so she was not really in on the journey. This is a bad example. Very, very bad. And I'm just telling it because, you know, I'm going to show you how God even can love a stupid guy like me. So right after that, we resigned and we went on a short vacation to the U.S. Coming down to Florida, gra grabbing a flight up to Virginia Beach on the East Coast, meeting one of the pastor's friend of mine who just uh, loved on us. And in a service like this, maybe a little bigger, a couple of thousand people was there. Uh, we were put on the platform and they prayed for us. And a missionary guy from Indonesia, an American guy, missionary in Indonesia came up and prayed for us. And suddenly he spoke a prophetic word over us in Swedish. Not knowing a single word, Swedish. On how we were supposed to plant a church against all odds in Sweden. And I looked at my wife and I just looked at her. I looked at her and I just felt like, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me my marriage back. Thank you for saving a dumb guy like me, you know. And we just kept on going. And why I'm saying this is because that the kingdom of God is it's containing certain experiences and... Um, factors that are crucial to a Christian life and one of them is revelation the word of God is the word of God creation is also a place where we can see his hands but through the Holy Spirit he is also communicating but never in opposition to his creation or his word so he can speak to you today in a specific personal way, even through though I am speaking out of a context which is the word of God, using examples from my personal life. He can have a personal encounter with you. It's like with Moses. You know, Moses, it's not, it's not you know, the prince of Egypt. It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, uh, it's not something Disney came up with. It's from the Bible. You know the song there, you know, Prince of Egypt. But, but the thing is, he is in the desert. He's killed a guy, he's in the desert. And uh, he sees a burning bush. So he goes after the burning bush and God speaks to him. And it's a holy place, but God speaks to him and says, Hey, I've heard the cry of my people. You've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And I want to deliver you. And he says, because of that, I have stepped down. And this is the story for you today. Unless God steps down into your life. Unless God steps down into this area of Canada. Unless God steps down into your family. Into your relationships. Into your marriage. Into your dreams. In whatever the calling you, God has placed on your life. Unless God steps down, there's nothing to it. But when he steps down. Anything can happen. And he will walk among his people and he will see a guy and say, hey, i got great plans for you. Don't worry. 
You're not lost. I got you covered. I got your back. Don't worry. I got great plans for you. You got a great smile, but I'm smiling even more. Hey, girl, you're beautiful. Don't worry. Don't worry about those inner thoughts about you not being perfect. I am perfect. And I perfect whoever I choose. There's a specific moment in life when he looks at us and he smiles and he says, you're beautiful. I love you. You're going to do great things for me. Maybe you feel you're hindered. Maybe you feel you're kind of incapacitated in different ways. There's no limit to God. There's no limit what he can do through anybody. You know, God has to step down. And I know we, we got a revival meeting going on here today. So you're beautiful. You're awesome. I love, you know, the way you look a little shy there under your, you know, under your gla beautiful glasses. You're going to do great things for God. He's going to use you mightily. You know, when God stirs up something inside of us, there's something inside of us that connects with our spiritual DNA. And that is that we're all called by Him to serve Him. And when we understand that there are specific gifts that we can use, it's like our... It's like I was saying earlier, and I'm a, I'm a very bad T.D. Jakes, but I'm a very good P.J. And when I can stay P.J. and use all the stuff that is placed in me, I let him use what is placed inside of me. You know, there are spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 chapters, which speaks about your spiritual kind of profile. It's about your gift uh, mix. Uh, when you are operating in, your right, in the right context of your giftings, amazing things can happen. And when I look at scripture and I see what God, how God is using people, I understand when I look at us today that the book of Acts has not ended. We're living the book of Acts today. This is apostolic uh, timing. This is ap an apostolic season. And... Um, when we look at how unique he has shaped us, we know that we are designed for his purposes. That there are gifts that exist to equip us. The Bible called them equipping gifts, the minister gifts. Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, uh, shepherds, uh, evangelists, teachers. They're there to equip the saints. That's you. To do what God has placed on your heart to build his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is joy, righteousness, and peace. As I said earlier. So when you serve, you're going to serve out of righteousness. And that is you're serving out of the fact that Jesus loves you because he is your righteousness. So when you feel you're inadequate, when, you're, when you have nothing to show for, uh, or, or when your failures are just you know, screaming, the enemy is using them to you know, speak to you, you got to realize that his grace is so much stronger. You're righteous. He's right because he's righteous. And when you serve with the joy and the gladness of knowing that, anything can happen because it will fill you with peace even if you're in a situation of turmoil. And people look at you and say, how can she, how can she live like that? How can he live like that? How can he have peace when he's facing all those hindrances, when diseases hit you, when something is happening to your children, when something is happening at work, everybody else is freaking out, but you have peace. It's not that this stuff is not happening. You're in the middle of it. I'm going to speak a lot about that in the next service, about you know these things that happen even though we're Christians. 
about pressure. But the fact is that there is a calling God has placed on your life. And when Paul is speaking to Timothy, he says, don't neglect your gift. Which was given through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So you got to remember that there is a calling for you. You got to remember, maybe you experience today that God is calling you to serve him. So remember that. As I remembered, you know, my 15-year-old experience, you know. But you also got to respect it. If God has placed something on my life, I can't live my life as a leader or as a pastor or serving him as a disciple, not using what he has given me. That would be disrespectful. And as his plans for me are perfect, and they are, they are the best way for me to live my life, I would be not so smart using a mild word, not doing it. It would be stupid. So I got I to uh, uh, remind myself and remember that calling. But I also got to respect the calling he's placed on my life. And I need to release it. And that has to be released within the context of the body of Christ, which is the church. So if you're a business person, maybe he's called you into business. And of course, you can serve in church in different areas. You can be a host, you can be in the, as a musician, you can, you, can, you can be a speaker in different areas. But, but, but some people, he's called into business. And that is not just something you do, it's your calling. So respect that, remember that, but also see that released for the sake of the kingdom. There's super, in so many areas, you know, you can be a, you can be a teacher, you can be a, a doctor, you can be a... Uh, uh, you know, social work, it could be anything, and God can use you mightily there and still use it in a way that builds the body of Christ, which is His church. So if you are going to your work, don't separate church and your work. When you're at your work or when you're in school, you're still building His church. And then we get back to church on Sundays, but that's another th other thing. Hey, let me read the scripture that is my actual sermon for today. Was this good? This is about sharing my heart with you. I want you, to, I want you to know me, but I also want to impart something in you. I thought these you know, small examples of God speaking into some people's lives was very important today. Because God speaks and God steps down. This is not a show. This is not a program. This is church. Where the living God reveals himself. Okay? Listen to this, Luke's, Luke 13, verse 6 and on. Then he told this parable, this Jesus. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went on look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. To understand the word of God, we need to know a few things. We need to know it and we need to believe what we read. So doing this with the Holy Spirit as a guide, we experience a game changer. Because we can read scripture, but when we read scripture with the, with the glasses of the Holy Spirit, it comes alive. So... 
with that, we also need to understand that the context is there for personal application. Not only, it's not just only theology. This is something that means something to me. Something I can apply on my, to my life. So the purpose of scripture is always presenting and leading people to Christ. And to develop us as followers of him. So Jesus in this, in this context is on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross. Easter 2,000 years ago. This is year 33. And uh, he sent out his 70 disciples before him. And he's met Martha and Mary, not Mariah, as I said this morning. He's cast out demons. He has encouraged his disciples and said that every hair of their head are numbered and they're worth more than many sparrows. He told them to be dressed red and keep their lamps burning when the Son of Man returns. I believe he's going to return. And right before this parable, he said that nobody that has been killed and had their blood mixed with a sacrifice by the order of Pilate or those who died when the tower of Siloam fell is a greater sinner than they. But if they don't turn around, they will all die the same way. There's a couple of events that's taken place here. The first one is that the, the, the ruler Pilate has mixed the blood of some of the Jews with the sacrifice they, they had in the, in, in the temple. A huge offense. And people were wondering, you know, are these people bad who had this thing happen to them? Or, and this tower fell down. A lot of people died and, and they were in the, you know, in, in, in the, they thought, you know, that these people were all bad. But, but Jesus says, none of these are, are, are a greater sin than you. This is not because they are bad. But, I, but if you don't turn around, you will die in the same way. So what is that about? Well, it's about an idea and a concept and a teaching from Jesus that says that the Jewish nation is described as a barren tree. There's, there's an image of life, but there is no fruit. So John the Baptist has been speaking about that. He put an axe to that idea. And Jesus has served three years, but there's no change. And God, he could have judged the nation of Israel, but he wanted to give them more time to change. More time to change. This is year 33. Not until year 70, the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was burned down by the Romans. So there's a personal application to this text, and that is God wants us to bear fruit so he's glorified. And our question needs to shift. You have a question that needs to shift from why are all these things happening? The killing of these people, the tower falling. Why is this happening? And we can talk about the signs of the times, but okay. We can, we can, we can work with that for a while. But the question has to change from that, the wondering about the why, to the exclamation point answering the questions. Why are you still here? Why are, new, you, you, why are you not dead? But why are you still here? Why are you alive? What are you doing here? Why are Slate Church here? Why are we here? What are we doing with our lives? Not just, you know, you know getting stuck in a, a debate or an inner conversation about why is this happening? Why is this happening? And answer the real question. 
Why are you here now? What are we here for? So maybe you have the same self-image as the people we're reading about here. Maybe you're disappointed. Verse 6 said, A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed all the time. You're not good enough. Nothing is happening. You're just disappointed. Maybe you're questioning. Why is nothing happening? I've tried so long to change things and nothing is happening. I've prayed so much but nothing is happening. Where's my, why are my efforts so fruitless? Verse 7 said, I've waited three years but there's no fruit on the fig tree. Not a single fig. Maybe you're just feeling that you're taking up space in the garden, which is one translation. Verse 7, cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Maybe you've had that prayer. Maybe you've been wondering. Maybe you've been having some kind of conversation with God. And you said, you know, it felt like nobody's answering. You know, I'm just taking up space in the garden. Hey, my friend, you're not going to end it. You're going to stay alive. There's purpose to your life. There's meaning to your life. I got three points in five minutes. It's going to be good. They're coming up now. <laughs> Number one, give it one more chance. This is the answer to the question, why are we alive? There is a meaning to your life. And that is connecting to God. The Godder answered, give it one more chance. God offered today, God's offer today is the same as Peter. You know, when they're asking him, how many times should I, you know, forgive somebody seven times? And God asked, Jesus answers, not seven times, 77 times. It's like unlimited. So God is, God is giving you one more chance. He's, he will always give you one more chance. He will always give you more time. It was almost southern. Time. God has given you more time. But the question is about a God having time. Maybe you're not having time. You don't know how much time you have. So respect that. Think about that. Give it one more chance. I've met so many people that just wanted one more day. One more chance to sort it out. One more chance to have that last conversation with somebody. Give it one more chance. Take that opportunity. Number two. Give it special attention. You know, change doesn't come easily. Listen to the sermon from this morning about, you know, habits. 66 days, 3 times 22. That's what your pastor was speaking this morning. The owner of the garden, you know, the gardener, he gives him possible solutions. And we understand that change doesn't come easily. We need to give it special attention. Change needs special attention. Developing a habit needs some repetition. There are maybe there are areas in your life you need, you need to prioritize in a different way and not just, you know, to, to, to let them go, you know. You know, God is on your side, so relax, but there are a few areas you can give special attentions. How about, you know, the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, you know, in Galatians? How about, how about giving some more attention to love in your life? How about joy in your life? How about peace in your life? How about kindness in your life? How about goodness in your life? How about faithfulness in your life? How about changing the idea and the concept of a millennial generation of, you know, just super scared of committing. Let's commit. Changing this world. Changing this nation. 
How about being very, you know, uh, you know, we got to understand that growth is very natural. You don't tell a three-year-old you know, kid, you know, to grow. They eat and they grow. If they don't grow, there's a problem. Because growth is natural. So with church life, the problem with church is not church growth. It's the small foxes that hinder us to grow. And the same in the personal, our personal lives. We got to give that special attention. What is killing your growth? We can, we can make this very uh, practical. I told you earlier about Psalm 92. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you will prosper. There are 34,000 promises in the word of God. How can you apply them into your life? The Bible says that they, they all have gotten their yes and amen in, in, through Christ Jesus. But if you don't know them, how can you apply them? So why should you read the, the Bible? Duh. To know it. So you can apply it. So you can receive it. So you can change things. Special attention means right attention. Not just why are all this stuff happening in the world. Because you can get lost in that. Tsunamis and earthquakes and towers and everything, you know. The real question is, why are you still here? There is a calling upon your life. There's a calling. There's a mandate from heaven. That God's going to you know, put on you to do great things for God. My third point is this. There needs... There need to be plenty of fertilizer. You know, fertilizer can irritate you because it can be really strong and sometimes it's very smelly, especially in Elmira. In my, in my town too, because I'm living, you know, we're close to a rural area. You know, it's like, you know, it's pretty smelly, but it's very good. And our farmers in Sweden, they say, they have a, they have a quote and they say, oh, it smells money. You need some fertilizer on your spiritual life. Acts 2.42 speaks about the first church. And it's actually something that is speaking about the foundation of our church. The church of Jesus. You know, the scriptures, scripture here, I think we have it. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it will move on. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Let's go back to the verse 42. Community. Why should you be in a connect group? Why are you going to go to services? They devoted themselves. Hey, we're here to stay. Great things can happen. This is fertilizer. The apostles teaching. Good scriptural teaching like your pastors give you. They're going to feed you. Fellowship. Hey, this is fun. This is, this is joyful. The breaking of bread, it speaks about how we have communion, about the grace of God that we're building. There, there's a foundation. There's something we're standing firm on that we need to remind ourselves on. Prayer changes things like you heard this, this day about your prayer requests. Let's go on. Verse 30, 43. Everyone was filled in awe by the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Hey, we believe that there is a miraculous change. When we pray for people, we touch lives with our lives. There are changes going on. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together. Unity. You know, God commands His blessings where there is unity. One heart, one soul, one mind. 
one vision, one church. This is your destiny. I think this has been a great message for you today and I will close with this. Don't downplay your calling. Respect it and let God release it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Give it one more chance. Don't stay comfortable. Give your life some special attention. Don't stop growing. Let's put some fertilizer on your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Was it good? You receive it? Let's stand up. We're going to worship with the team here in just a, just a short while. Just in a minute here. Um, I want to make a, like a two-fold invitation. First of all, for you. You just need to say, Jesus, I commit to you. You know, like I did when I was 15. I didn't know much about life. But I knew this thing. God loves me and he wants to use me. And scripture says we need to die to ourselves every day and take up our cross and follow him. I don't know too much about what that cross was. But I surrendered and I said, Jesus, you're my own. You need to do that. For Christianity and for the relationship with God to become real, you need to surrender. You need to, you need to commit saying, I don't know everything, but I know that you have a plan for my life. And I need that. And if you want to do that, I want to pray for you. And I want you to just, uh, let, let's just bow our heads now for a short while. I, I want you, I want to encourage you to take this, this moment in your life, these, these, these few minutes in your life, face that head on and respect it. And God's going to do great things in you and through your life. But most of all, He wants to save you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to have unity with you. It's like inviting you into a, a, a great family. Where, where he says that it doesn't matter where you've been. I love you anyhow. Can you trust me? Can you trust me with your life? If you want to make that decision today and that commitment today, I just want you to just raise your hand and say, Jesus, I love you. I don't know, any, I don't know much about what's going on in the future, but I know one thing, I can trust you. And I do trust you today. And I let go of the past and I trust you with my past. And I thank you, Lord, that you forgive me for whatever I've done wrong. But I want the rest of my life to be committed to you, Jesus. If you want to make that commitment today, just raise your hand right now. Thank you for watching. And again, if you were impacted by this message, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to slatechurch.com. If you'd like to learn more, fill out one of our online connect cards on our website. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. And remember, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.